Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, across the world, on the internet, yet again. And around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is uh, the Michael Duke Show. Good morning. We made it. Uh, We made it today. Uh, and, and thank you. Thank you for coming on board and, uh, being part of the show today. We appreciate it. Hump day, middle of the week. Um, I sat here yesterday in nearly impotent rage as I tried to get everything, uh, on for the program, uh, yesterday, nearly six years now of broadcasting from, uh, from the home studio, uh, and everything else. And yesterday was the first day uh, where we were just uh, unable to do it. Uh, just unable to do it. No secondary option to get anything rolling. And, uh, oh, man, was I upset yesterday. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. It was, uh, it was a rough morning trying to get things uh, going on. Apparently, and I say apparently because I only found out later because, of course, we can't get any real information on what's happening. Apparently, there was some kind of fiber optic cut between Anchorage and Eagle River or Eagle River and Wasilla, and uh, there was absolutely no internet uh, out in my neck of the woods. Uh, and since we utilize the show to transmit to the radio stations and everything else through a special radio station magic box that utilizes the internet, it became a real, uh, it was just a problem. It was just a real problem. Now, unfortunately, uh, I mean, look, there's a lot of things to be said um, recently about uh, the uh, internet provider GCI in the state. They've had some, well, they've had some black eyes here uh, recently. They've had some real problems. Uh, that being said, I will say that uh, when I first signed up for them here uh, where I was at, um, I mean, they were godsends. They had the best deal going ever, right? I mean, I before that, I had caps on data, and I couldn't get it, and it was more expensive. It was just it was a hot mess until I got signed up with GCI, and then they gave us what was supposedly the fastest connection uh, in the state. Um and I've been happily rolling along for, I don't know, four or five years now. But recently, man, I got to tell you, I spent, <laughs> I mean, you know, what was it, last year they decided to, uh, uh, last year they decided to outsource all their, uh, all their technical support and everything else. And ever since then, stuff has just gone downhill. Uh, I, uh yeah. And and by the way, the president of GCI, you know, back four or five years ago, decided to lobby against Alaskans getting a PFD, which I thought was uh, 
that was some hubris right there for sure. But uh, anyway, it was just it was an exemplar of how frustrating it was yesterday. Uh, uh, right at you know right after six a.m. when the show was supposed to be on the air, and I still had no internet. I called GCI tech support because they weren't open before that. They don't open till six a.m., which fantastic. And then I was on hold for thirty minutes. I mean, I never talked to any human being for the first thirty minutes until I got some lovely young lady somewhere, um, South America or something, who proceeded to jump me through a bunch of hoops for five minutes before finally telling me, oh, yes, they have, she called it a statewide outage. It was only localized to the, apparently uh, to parts of Wasilla and Eagle River, but she called it a statewide outage and had no answer as to when it was going to be fixed. But they were working on it, she assured me, they were working on it. Uh, four or five hours later, the internet did return, uh, to the studio, but, uh, yeah, I it just, just, I mean, the ultimate in frustration, I mean, why GCI used to be when you used to call the tech support number, it would tell you, uh, it would tell you right at the beginning of the recording, if there was a known outage going on, right? Well, that would have saved me a half hour of my life. If they just keep those recordings on the front saying, Hey, there's a known outage in the Wasilla uh, you know, Eagle River area or whatever. And uh, it just proves yet again that what we really need is more competition. Now, I do, I, I, I mentioned this the other day, I do have a Starlink. Uh, I was on the Starlink beta program and the box has been sitting here in my office since before Christmas. And I have not uh, hooked everything up yet because um, I knew from reports of friends who have it and from the acknowledgement of Starlink itself that the coverage is not yet complete for the Starlink satellite network to be able to, uh, to do it. And, uh, and uh, I, uh, so, so I haven't put it up yet because I knew that there was intermittent problems. But at least if I'd had that yesterday, we could have been on with maybe a few interruptions or something. So... Looks like this weekend I might be spending part of the weekend assembling the uh, Starlink uh, thing and getting everything, just at least to have a backup, at least to have a secondary chance of making something happen. So, <clears throat> yep, we're 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 working on, it. and it's amazing how how uh, dependent we have become on the uh, on the internet for so many things. You you never you're. You're only reminded of that when your internet finally goes out uh, somewhere, and uh, it's uh, definitely a uh, uh, an eye-opening experience, to say the least. I mean, I still had internet on my phone yesterday morning uh, through whatever the you know the five G network or whatever, so I was at least able to post a comment on Facebook to let people know that we were down for the morning. But yep, that was uh, that was yesterday. So. Now we're putting our thinking caps on, and we're putting more redundancy in. And uh, I've got uh, I've got my uh, uh, you know remote backup gear that we can pull out now because uh, I had it sitting on my desk down in uh, in Anchorage at the radio station uh, instead of here at home where it belonged. <laughs> so I couldn't even use my remote gear to do it. So anyway, we're we're gonna have a couple backups. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't. I mean. Once in six years, I guess it's not a bad track record if once in six years something like that happens, but ooh, baby, it is frustrating. It is so frustrating when it happens, especially when I've got some great guests lined up 
uh, to talk about things that are going on, uh, going on all over the place. Um, and yeah, I mean, I agree. Anthony in the chat room just said, all I'm saying is a multi-billion dollar communications company's infrastructure should not be able to be taken out by one guy with a pickaxe. I couldn't agree more. I mean, really, you guys are the biggest, you're the biggest player in the state and some guy with a shovel, uh, you know, cut off, uh, you know, 15% of your, of your, uh, of your customer base. That's a problem. So anyway, I'm not going to complain about it anymore. I mean, I was super hot about it. Um, but here we are, we're, 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 we're back at it. We're ready to go. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're ready to dive into it. The good news is I was able to talk, um, I was able to talk, uh, yesterday's guests into coming on today. So just pretend for the sake of the show that today is Tuesday because today we're going to start off with, um, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes for the weekly top three. We're going to be talking with Brad about everything that's going on and all the good stuff that's happening and everything else. So that's going to be uh, kicking off here in just a moment. And we'll be uh, covering a handful of things, including um, uh, including uh, what uh, we learned the first time through the legislative finances overview of the government budget. The thing that surprised Brad about the pre-filed bills and the question about the governor is Dunleavy really serious about protecting the PFD. Those are really going to be the top three things that we can talk about uh, today with Brad Keithley. Then in hour two, we're going to be joined by Chris Story. Let me do a little bit of a recap, um, and uh, and and we'll see what happened there. Uh, and, and then, uh, Chris Story will be coming on board for our weekly uplift, our positivity update. So <clears throat> we got, uh, we got it all good. You know, that's it. That's it. That's right. So it's going to be fun. Uh, at least we didn't miss out on this week's, uh, weekly dose of the, uh, weekly top three. So that is, uh, that's what's coming on this morning. All right. So I got just a couple minutes here. So many stories. So many stories. Scott Kendall still trying to get David Eastman uh, thrown out of the legislature. That's one story. The swearing in of all the senators. Uh, Mike Schauer is got something going on. Uh, don't know exactly what, but uh, he was not at the swearing in yesterday. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, House just basically broke it off on uh, Mike Schauer, Shelley Hughes, and Rob Myers. And they were pretty much shut out of all committees. Rob Myers was the only one that got assigned to a sitting committee, and that was transportation. Both Shower and Shelley Hughes ended up at special committees. I mean, that's just a poke in the eye as far as that goes. Uh, I mean, I just, <clears throat> I don't even know what to say to that. That's like basically they just shamed him and put him in a corner and said, shut up and sit down. Uh, I mean, should they even bother to show up at that point? Then we had the interesting things happening yesterday in the House side of things where there was some sneaky stuff going on. And uh, what? Uh, so the first thing was, uh, and this was reported differently both in the ADN and must read, but it was interesting. Word was that, uh, that somehow Soldatna Representative Justin Ruffridge um, had made some kind of deal with the Democrats to install him as Speaker Pro Tem. And um, that 
rumor, according to De- to uh, Suzanne Downing, uh, must be in the correct category because no sooner had the representatives gaveled in um, and been gaveled in by the lieutenant governor, Democratic Representative Andy Josephson of Anchorage nominated Ruffridge for the speaker pro tem, the temporary position that they needed to, uh, you know, to make sure that the legislature can organize. Um, there was an immediate at ease. An immediate at ease was called. And then when it was all said and done, Laddie Shaw uh, nominated Representative uh, Josiah Patkatak from Uktavik, who won the election of Speaker Pro Tem in a 40-0 to zero vote. Even David Eastman voted in favor of Patkatak. Uh, the Ruffridge nomination never even went to a vote. It was DOA. Uh, Patkatak has served as the Speaker Pro Tem um, for the, uh, for the last, uh, I guess last year, last session, uh, this is the second time that he served as speaker pro tem. He's seen as a guy who can basically, um, wants to be part of either majority. And he seems like a pretty common sense guy. Uh, he's an independent from Uktavik and he's seen as one of those guys who might be willing to cross uh, the aisle in either direction, kind of more of the moderate middle of the road, just wants to make sure that his people are represented, which is an interesting position. Um, and I think we might, I think we might talk a little bit more about that as we go through, but that was kind of the stuff that happened yesterday. The just the first, just the first little thing that now uh, uh, Ruffridge has been quoted on this program in the newspaper and more that he wants to be with the majority of Republicans, and uh, it was uh, that you know that's that's where he wanted to be was with a Republican majority. And, uh, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but it's interesting to, uh, watch. He said that he's, uh, even the paper quoted him, ADN quoted him as saying, uh, that he is interested in serving in a coalition quote with a majority of Republicans. Uh, but Josephson said Democrats and independents in the legislature see Ruffridge as quote, moderate and sensible and responsible. Um, I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know how to re- I don't know how to read through that. Uh, anyway, interesting conversation. We'll find out more about what's going on with that as we go through. But the house is now adjourned until today, 10 a.m. today, 10 a.m. today, I believe. Uh, they wanted to adjourn till Thursday, but uh, Eastman said, no, we got to get the work done. So we'll see what happens. The Michael Duke Show continues. Uh, we got Brad Keithley coming up. We'll return with more right after this. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay. Oh, man. What a day. I had to laugh because what did I just see in the chat room? I was talking about uh, the GCI and trying to figure out what was going on. And Chris in the chat room was like on Twitch was like, well, you could have asked chat. I was monitoring the outage yesterday. I couldn't get into chat. I couldn't. I had no Internet, man. That's the chicken and the egg thing right there. I mean, you could have just asked the chat except for I could. There was no chat. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. 
Uh, all right. Uh, I suppose we should uh, pull things together here. Brad Keithley is in the green room, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what he brings to the table this morning. Let's go over here. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing this morning? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about, well, I'd ask how about you, but yeah. I think we all know now how you're doing. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing okay. Um, better than yesterday. Right. Let's just put it yesterday. Yesterday was, uh, was an exercise in total frustration. Best, your best line of the morning is even David Eastman voted for I know. Josiah Peckett. I know <laughs> even David Eastman, who's normally so contrarian that it just, it just, you know, you can't stand it. Even he went ahead and uh, did his uh, did his thing this morning. Um, all right, so uh, we're ready to uh, we're ready to dive into all this stuff. Um, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Um, use the smartphone to talk to chat. I have to initiate the chat from the main <laughs> computer, Chris. Jesus, I love you, man, but seriously. Uh, I have to initiate everything is run from the regular computer. I can, yes, I can join the chat from my phone. Once the main computer has got it all set up, it doesn't matter. I, I just, I just, you know, doesn't matter. Just, man. just completely write off yesterday. Forget it ever happened. Just Today's Tuesday. Here we go. Pretend like it never happened. That's exactly where we're at. Um, all right. Um, any comments here quickly? we got about three minutes here. Any comments uh, on the organization that you saw yesterday? Anything that you're uh, thinking about here? I'm just, I'm curious. No, I was really, I was really surprised, quite frankly, uh, on the Refridge vote. I, I, I don't know what, or the Refridge nomination. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, Will Stapp, I would have understood. Um, but Refridge, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little surprised at. And I, and, and I, you know, for him to, uh, I assume that he agreed to let Andy put his name in nomination. And um, I assume they thought they had, they would have 21 that way uh, somehow. I mean, you usually don't go to the floor with something like that, particularly where you're exposing somebody uh, without having your ducks lined up. So right, I don't, right. I, I don't. I'm not quite sure what to what to make of all that. Yeah. It, it got papered over quickly. Yeah, uh, I mean the immediate the immediate at ease followed by the nomination of Pat Katak was like, "Woof, man." Um but it just it it does raise you know, my question is is this them maybe he didn't want to play ball and so they decided to throw him under the bus and make him look bad or was this <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, are they trying to sow dissension or was there something legitimately going on there? I don't know. I have no idea. But interesting well, that's pretty that's that's pretty cruel and if i if i had been Ruffridge and they'd done that to me i would have i would have let that be known by yeah no press. i mean i definitely would have been upset about it but it, it uh i don't know man it's just po it's, i feel like i want to take a shower by the time this whole thing's over you know <laughs> well wait wait we got a lot of months left to go so oh, i'm not man. sure I'd, it's already I'm not sure I'd, I'd, I'd head for the showers yet it's already started all i just want to get the stink off me you know what i mean it's already started um, all right, Brad. Well, we're ready to dive into the weekly top three, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it to it. Should be interesting. Twenty legislators, are brand new, uh, right now, and uh, that it's gonna, it's gonna be a hot hot mess. I can't wait to see. They're talking about all the whispered conversations after they adjourned yesterday in the hallways with the newbies and the old bees and the whole thing and the. You know, I could see the powers that be are cracking the whip trying to uh, maintain control. 
I, I tell you the name, the, the, the person to keep watching is, is Craig Johnson. Craig um, Johnson. He comes, he comes out of the Chenault, the train by Chenault. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he's, he's going to position himself somehow. We're going to see what happens there. Brad Keithley, our guest, the Michael Duke show. Here we go. morning and welcome back to the program we're continuing now with the michael duke show broadcasting live across the state of alaska we've got brad keithley from alaskans for sustainable budgets on board with us this morning normally our tuesday gig but since we uh lost a whole day there uh we're uh, brad was kind enough to uh, uh to uh, agree to come in today and talk with us and get things started um we were just talking about the organization of the Senate of the House, rather, uh, and everything else, and what a mess that's going to be. We'll see how that plays into Brad's uh, top three discussions. Uh, so, good morning, Brad. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great today. It's good to see you. It's a bright and shiny Tuesday morning. We're Tuesday. just going to play like yesterday never happened. We're just going to pretend like today is Tuesday. Oh, that's going to screw some people up right there. I can tell you <laughs> that's for sure. Well, Brad, let's uh, let's dive right into it. Um, let's start off with uh, number one of the weekly top three. What have we learned uh, the first time through the legislative finances uh, overview of the governor's budget? Let's uh, let's start and take a crack at uh, at that. Well, legislative finance in advance of the session uh, publishes a summary of the governor's budget, and it's always interesting reading for those who uh, who haven't read it before. You can find it uh, on the uh, LegFin uh, LegFin website, uh, LegFin.com. Um, and uh, it's 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 always it's always a, a useful analysis to sort of confirm things that you think you're seeing in the governor's budget, or to identify things that you really haven't noticed in the governor's budget. It also is useful to sort of identify the perspective that um, that legis legislative finance, but remember that legislative finance is run by the Senate Finance and the House Finance Committee chairs. In the absence of a House Finance Committee chair. Guess who's guess who's in the, in the ear of the legislative finance uh, director? Um, it, it's always interesting to see sort of see what they're trying to sell uh, 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 by using uh, legislative finance uh, early in the session. And and this year they're sort of selling the same thing early on in the in the document. They're sort of selling the same thing they've been selling uh, for the last five years now, um, which is that. Uh, permanent fund dividend money is is UGF is unrestricted general funds, uh, and that uh, permanent fund dividends are uh, spending. And so you compare them in the legislative finance document when they do what they call the swoop chart, which is the highest categories of spending by uh, by uh, uh, agency uh, and other categories. Um, uh, they put the PFD in there, so it looks like it's competing against these other. Uh, categories uh, of spending, and they've continued that. Uh, legislative finance, it, it's really, it's always interesting to me because legislative finance essentially, though they don't say it, but they always admit that in, in their documents that that treating the, the PFD as, as UGF, revenues that are dedicated, designated for the PFD, treating those as UGF, unrestricted general funds, 
uh, commingled funds that you can use for any purpose. They always admit that that's a lie. Uh, there's a footnote in their fiscal summary that says designated, that, that talks about uh, restricted revenue and designated funds. And it says designated funds, which are DGF, a separate category from UGF, designated funds include funds. Uh, and then there's a category two fund, funds that are designated by statute for a specific purpose. The revenues designated by statute for a specific purpose. Well, there's, there's no clearer designation of funds for a specific purpose, revenues for a specific purpose than the PFD statute. Um, but they just they just ignore it um, as if that statute doesn't exist and recategorize uh, the permanent fund revenues uh, uh, designated by statute for the permanent fund dividend, just recategorize those as UGF. So the, it starts off with the usual sales pitch that since the time Natasha, you got to you got to figure out how all this ties together. Right. Since the time Natasha went on the Senate Finance Committee, it keeps selling that same line uh, that uh, that they set it up that that, that she set it up for uh, originally. I've always wondered. I, I had wondered when she left the legislature whether they would whether they would change their tune, but they haven't. Um, it's still it's still UGF. Going through the document, there's a couple of things that I think that I think are significant. Again, thinking about this from the perspective of what legislators, what the chair of the chairs of the Senate Finance Committee, again, because there's no House Finance Committee yet, what the chairs of the Senate Finance Committee are trying to sell through legislative finance. Um, about There's a summary at the beginning um, and about a third of the way through the summary, uh, there's a headline that says, the end of Alaska's austerity era. Has a question mark, uh, but it but it it essentially the argument in that section is that Alaska's austerity era, the era of cuts, is over, and that we've sort of put that behind us, and now we're going to spend a couple of fact items in there that I found significant. Uh, talking about last year's budget or last session's budget, which was a combination of the FY twenty three budget and the FY twenty two supplemental. These items totaling 602 million contributed to ballooning statewide items, figure above. Now keep in mind the budget's broken down into the operations budget, the agency operations budget, statewide items and capital. And this is talking about the statewide items. These items totaling 602 million contribute to the ballooning statewide items figure above, but the growth rates would still be unsustainable without them, even excluding these Items and they're talking about one-time items. What the governor described in his uh, budget message when he issued the few vetoes he did right. and signed the budget, even excluding these one-time one-time items, the pre-PFD budget would still have increased by twenty-three point one percent. And so that's they're using that as sort of the kickoff fact for um, uh, for the fact that uh, uh, that we've reached the uh, end of the austerity era. Then they go to talking about uh, the governor's budget, and it says, overall, the governor's budget proposes relatively few major changes to agency budgets. The most significant change is a proposed increase to Medicaid of $20.7 million for a combination of expected utilization and inflationary changes, as well as to expand postpartum coverage. So... In it again with the theme of the end of the austerity era, building that up as the theme that we put that past us now. 
in talking about the governor's budget, they emphasize that the governor's budget has very few changes and where there are major changes, it's to increase Medicaid spending uh, of all things. One of the things that that we've we've talked long and hard about, about being an area that you could decrease, but right. the governor's budget increases. So uh, I, I just want to interrupt real quick to say, so you're saying their justification for more spend is the fact that they have spent more. That's yes. the, that's the, the justification for future spend is look, we've already increased. So why bother to go back essentially is what you're saying, because look, we just increased by 23. Per, so we should just keep, so we should stop is, is what you're saying. Stop trying to go. Well, we have stopped. I think I think what they're trying to do is state it as a, it's sort of like it's sort of like in 2017 when they stated that the PFD is is unrestricted general fund revenues. Thank you very much. And and we're going to compare it. It's a, a the PFDs are state spending and we're going to compare it to others. It, it It's sort of like, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to say it so and thus it is so. Right. That's 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 sort of the tactic of, of some of these ledge finance documents. You know, if if right. ledge finance a bipartisan uh, uh, expert uh, agency, if, if ledge finance says it so, it must be so. Um, you know, this comes out of the old David Teal era. If David Teal said it so, it must be so. Right. Um, and so they're saying, well, end of the austerity era, look at these facts, it must be so. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and sort of, it's sort of try to win by assumption, right? Win by assumption and, and, and statement of fact that really isn't fact, but, Statement, statement of uh, statement of uh, assumption of fact, um, and then um, uh, the governor goes on for or the budget goes on for other identifying other areas uh, where uh, uh, the governor's budget increases. The governor's budget didn't get all of the tax credits, the oil and gas tax credits, reimbursable tax credits purchased last year because oil prices went down. So there's an additional sum now included in this budget, essentially a rollover, if you will, from the last budget into this budget of the purchase of the final uh, oil and gas tax credits. Um, and then talks about the capital budget. And the capital budget has been, uh, has increased over prior capital budgets. Uh, the 10-year plan now shows nearly a $100 million increase from what prior capital budgets had shown on a, on a going forward basis. And uh, the, the ledge fund explains that as the majority of the UGF and the governor's capital budget is used for federal match, 171.3 million of the 276.4 million total is for this purpose. This is $19 million increase from the FY23 budget. And then it increases in the out years as well. And basically what it's telling us is, is all of the federal money that's coming into the state, guess what? It ratchets up state money also. <laughs> Because right. in order to get that federal money, we have to have state match money, and that increases the state capital budget in order to uh, in order to to do that. So um, there's one other thing that I think is useful. The the like it did last year. Uh, the uh, the ledge finance uh, uh, document talks or summary talks about uh, revenues, additional revenues or new revenues. And it says the following options are reflective of common practice in other states, but do not constitute a policy recommendation. Equity, economic impacts, efficiency, and other considerations are not presented here, but should be addressed if the legislature chooses to explore revenue options. Well, here's another thing that happens as a result of moving the PFD to UGF and treating it as spending. The PFD cuts don't get included in this category. 
And so you've got a situation where you're looking at these other taxes and you're saying, you know, generally people say taxes are bad, but you're not comparing them to the PFD because they've moved the PFD over to the spending category right. by including the revenues and UGF. And they're not including the economic impact of that, essentially. Right. 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 They avoid that they avoid that they avoid that issue entirely through the trick of treating the PFD as as part of UGF and not treating it as as an alternative revenue source and comparing it to other alternative revenue sources. The final the final thing in here um, uh, that I think is worth noting is a confirmation, uh, basically a confirmation of some of the calculations we've been doing. It says Ledge Finance uh, estimates an individual income tax based on uh, uh, AGI adjusted gross income a flat income tax of 3% with no exemptions or discussions or deductions would generate 900 million in the first half in the first full year administered. So basically they're saying the same thing we've been saying, which is you could, you, you could solve, you solve the deficit that we've been solving by this hugely regressive PFD cuts could be solved instead through a 3% flat tax. And I found some comfort. I don't recall seeing that in last year's document, I found some comfort in the fact that their calculations are lining up with our calculations um, and that we're both showing about a three that, that, the, that the number we ought to, you know, some people talk about, oh, my God, there'd be a 10 percent, 12 percent income tax. That'd be horrible. Well, the, the number we ought to be talking about is is th is a three percent flat tax. That's the comparable number to uh, the heavily regressive PFD cuts that uh, that the legislature has been adopting the last few, and the governor's been signing the last few years. So I, I, I found that to be a to be a useful number. Two things to uh, continue to contribute to this before we run out of time. First, Donna Ardwin's in the chat room. She says, "Brad, did you notice the uh, report says it makes no difference whether the PFD is paid out of the ERA or the general fund? That there's there's a forced disconnect, and that seems to be embraced now." that no longer are they wanting to pay it out of the ERA and general fund. And that again, just continues to reinforce that separation uh, between the actual dividend and the fact that they're saving it as general fund money. They've been saying that all throughout it is that that was part of the 2017 change uh, that is, that it's that it's not designated funds and it makes no difference. The source of the funds that yeah. any it's, it's UGF spending. Uh, and Brian, uh, Brian in the chat room says, for those of us who aren't as brilliant as yourself, please place this into some sort of context and explain how this is fixable. Uh, how, do, how do we fix it? I mean, you're giving us a lot of good details here, but put it in, dumb it down, talk to me like I'm five, and then tell me how to fix it. I mean, that's that's where we're at right now. Well, the, the fix is what we've been talking about all along, which is to treat the UG, uh, treat the PFD as designated funds, either statutorily designated, which is what they are, uh, or constitutionally set them aside, but treat them as as the funds designated for special purposes. They are. Once you do that, once you do that, you see what the UG, what the remaining UGF revenues are, and what the fiscal gap is, the remaining fis the fiscal gap uh, that the that the state has to close. And then by treating them as as designated funds, bringing them from designated funds into UGF to supplement UGF would be treated as a revenue. And then you compare them to all the other revenues. And you see that the PFD is, as, as ICER told us in 2016, as ITEP told us in 2017, and as no one has said any difference since that time, you see that that using PFDs, PFD cuts to close the gap has the largest adverse impact on Alaska, on 80% of Alaska families. 
and on and on the overall Alaska economy. So that one trick, that trick that 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 happened, I'll just say contemporaneous with Natasha joining the legislature. That one trick uh, of moving the, uh, the, the, the the PFD over to unrestricted general funds and treating it as spending that one trick, undoing that sort of unlocks, you know, getting at the at the at the at the correct solution, seeing the true fiscal gap unadulterated by the diversion of PFD funds, and then comparing uh, the use of PFD funds to close that gap against uh, against alternative revenues. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We got to run. We got number two coming up. We'll be back with more of the weekly top three right after this. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, The weekly top three continues. Uh, Brian clarified and said, no, 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 that was a Herald question. It wasn't for Brad. But, you know, I mean, it's still, I think good to uh to break it down for some of us because it, we're you know we get into some deep level stuff right here uh on the program every Tuesday but i mean that really is the crux of this whole problem and i think we've talked about it before but you're just highlighting it again Brad the second that they stopped treating the pfd like it it was a designated you know fund like the original intent was that it had first call that it was not it was simply a pass through it was not a revenue so, you know any of those things that was the beginning of the end for the permanent fund dividend as we know it, because that that changed everything. Then it had to fight on some kind of equal playing field, and it became the cookie jar that everybody wanted to put their hand in. Yeah, the second the second they treated the, they treated all of the all of all of the uh, earnings reserve funds coming to the all of the permanent fund fund earnings reserve coming to the coming to the budget. The second they treated all of those as UGF, and they second. They included the PFD in the in the swoop chart, and and for those of you who are interested in what the swoop chart is, go to legislative go to the legislative finance uh, website, look for their summary of uh, of the governor's budget, and then the swoop chart sort of looks well, looks like a swoop. I mean, it starts with the highest uh, spending categories. Like I said, I need to get down to get in the frame. Highest spending categories, and then swoops down to the lowest spending categories. Um, uh, the second they put the, the PFD in there, what happens is the PFD just dwarfs everything else. And it looks like the, the, it, it does exactly what Natasha wanted. It makes it look like the PFD is the source of the state's fiscal problem. Um, she, did, she couldn't change the law. They couldn't change the PFD statute. Um, and so they just ignored it. It just started making crap up. Um, about what the budget looked like, ignoring the uh, ignoring the PFD status as a as a designated uh, designated revenue source. That was Teal was part of that deal. Uh, Bert was part of that deal. Natasha was part of that deal. Uh, Neil Foster, though he'll now deny it, was was part of that deal uh, in order to, to to set up the the budget that way. And everything they've built since then, every justification for cutting the PFD, every justification for you know funding it from other unrestricted general fund sources, because after all, it's just unrestricted general fund spending. 
everything they've done since that time stems from the 2017 decision to to treat it as uh, to treat it as as unrestricted general funds and to put it in the swoop chart. So, yeah, that's 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 the source of the problem. And then everything builds from that. And now this year, the the assumed fact is that we've hit the end of the austerity area. No more. No. no. I mean, the governor's budget sort of tells you that too. The go- if the if the only major action in the governor's budget is to increase Medicaid sp- Medicaid spending, you you know you know that battle is is we're, we're losing that battle big time. Right. Uh, but you know, to, to just state as fact, end of austerity era, end of the Alaska austerity era. Uh, well, and I have to laugh. Austerity. I mean. <laughs> Okay. I mean, largest budgets, you just look at the ever-increasing amounts of budgets. Yeah, there's a lot of austerity baked into that thing. And they've been telling us for six years they just can't possibly cut anything else out of the budget. Sure, we've had a lot of austerity. Uh, I mean, it's just they what they want is just unrestricted spending. That's what well, they want. I mean, the theme the theme this, this legislature is going to be on K-12 spending, we're going to hear over and over and over and over, which is we've, we have had K-12. K through 12 cuts. The failure to include an inflation adjustment is is cutting K through 12 spending, um, and and we're just going to hear that until you know we're nauseated by it. But that's going to be the theme that we have had cuts, and now and now that that we've gotten to this point, it's the end of the austerity era. Yeah, we don't have big oil revenues anymore, but look, we got this whole bunch of PFD money that we're now sure. going to treat. Yeah, as, as unrestricted. Well, and Rob, Rob Meyer says the end of austerity during falling oil prices. I mean, that's, you know, that makes a whole lot of sense. And then Donna chimes in again, even using their own SB 26 law. The only part of the ERA that should be in the UGF is the amount of the POMV left after transferring the statutory amount to the dividend. But they continue to ignore that. I mean, they just why even bother having laws, Brad, because they're going to do whatever the hell they want. That's kind of the whole thing. Hashtag follow the damn law. Nope, doesn't work. And and part of the key of that, part of the key to that is controlling is controlling ledge finance, because ledge finance. I mean, if you read the news reports and you follow the reporters, they all sort of treat ledge finance as God, right? As the as the un, you know, nonpartisan expert body. So he who controls ledge finance <laughs> controls the world. Basically, is what's is what's going on here. And and I know I know that OMB has tried to beat that back, especially when Donna was head of o- OMB. And I know revenue has tried to beat that back, but they don't do a very good job at it. I mean, last year was it last year or the year before uh, that Bert's first question out of the box to Neil Steiner, the 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 successor OMB director, was, "Do you agree that there's a conflict between SB 26 and and the PFD statute?" The answer to that is no, I don't agree that there's a conflict. Steiner's answer was yes. And once you do that, once you agree to that, you just go down, you just go down a slippery slope. Brad Keith Lee, our guest. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. We're on to number two. I don't know if we get to number three. We're going to try our best. 
Number two is the surprises. Brad uh, said there's some interesting things to learn from the pre-files uh, with some surprises in there. Brad, uh, what say you? Uh, I, the surprises were by omission. There were very few fiscal policy bills included in the pre-file. Uh, Will Akowski had his usual constitutional amendment uh, to constitutionalize the PFD. Um, but all of the other um, uh, fiscal policy pre-files that I could find were basically versions of spending caps. Not None of the bills, none of the pre-filed bills appeared to be embodiments of the fiscal of the of the proposal put forward by the fiscal policy working group to the multi-pronged solution as they called it the comprehensive solution to the state's fiscal issues none of the bills seem to capture that the only fiscal policy bills other than Wilikowski's PFD amendment uh, it was uh, was was spending caps of the spending caps the one that appears to be the one to to to, to follow closely is Jim Kaufman's new sen former representative, now Senator James Kaufman's um, uh, proposed spending cap that that is based on GDP. It's a it's a it's it sets the spending cap at a certain percentage of GDP. And basically, because the Alaska GDP is driven so much by oil prices, oil values. I mean, that's our biggest export, right? Oil, and so that's you know the value of the exported oil really drives the GDP. Really, it's an indirect way of setting the spending cap uh, uh, based on oil values, oil prices. Um, and that and that and I say that's the one that appears to be the one to follow because Gary Stevens, um, at some point, either in the um, uh, the Senate majority available press availability yesterday or in a separate conversation, uh, said to the KTUU reporters, the KTUU reporters, right? Um, that uh, he's intrigued by Kaufman's bill and thinks that that's one that the that the legislature, the Senate at least, will take a close look at. I've got problems with Kaufman's bill. I mean, it's like it's like all of the other bills that aren't related to actual revenues, right? It has the ability to sort of spin off on its own over time, right? As revenues, as we know, traditional revenues are going down as oil prices go down. That would sort of follow it because because being based on GDP would follow oil values, but it wouldn't follow it very closely, and and so as traditional revenues would go down, spending would sort of would sort of continue bouncing along, and the gap between the two, uh, just like we talked about last week, would expose you know create this cage match, this MMA cage match where there'd be the PFD and uh, and uh, and other spending categories that would fight it out while the top 20% stood on the outside laughing all the way to the bank. So right. it's I, th these, I was surprised by the failure of anybody to really try to put together an, 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 a package um, and and get that out there in front for uh, for discussion. Well, and, and I think that's the problem with many of these spell, these spending caps is, you know, either they're statutory, which means they can just ignore them as they have in the past. They've passed spending caps and then busted them in the same session. Or it's so disconnected from the actual uh, revenue in the state that it becomes within just a handful of years, it becomes irrelevant and, and means nothing. And that's the danger here is they want to look like they're doing something. Um, <clears throat> but in the long run, it doesn't do anything to fix uh, the actual problem. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. What the, the real concern I have about about all this focus on spending caps is that what people are going to say is 
well, we did a spending cap. You know, we passed Kaufman's or we passed somebody's. We did a spending cap. Now we've solved the fiscal situation. Let's go on. Well, no, you haven't because you've just set the PFD up for a cage match with, with, with other spending. You haven't solved the fiscal problem. You've solved it for the top 20% because now they've got spending cap. They don't have to worry about spending rising to a level where you have to go get other revenues, but you've just left the PFD out there exposed uh, to being used as the funding source uh, for uh, for the increasing budget gaps that we're going to be experiencing. So it's, um, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. It's, 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 let's do, like, you, you, they're trying to set it up to say, let's do one thing and claim that we've solved it all. And they haven't. And, right. and so that's, I mean, that's the real, that's the real problem that we're facing. All right. Number three, quickly here, we got about four minutes. Um, is Governor Dunleavy serious about, about protecting the PFD? Uh, I guess that's the big question here. I mean, it would look like it on the surface since he proposed a big $4,000 PFD, but is he really serious about protecting it? Yeah, exactly right, Michael. And, and, and here's, and here's where that question arises. We know even his tenure, his tenure plan says there's going to be continued deficits, right? What's what's the revenue source he's proposed uh, to fill those deficits? Well, it's the pie in the sky carbon credits, and I and and there's one headline in in the Wall Street Journal today that just captures everything about carbon credits. It says many companies are shying away from carbon carbon credits. Uh, so you know, just at the time the governor Dunleavy is trying to sell these as the as the be all and end all as the solution to the state's fiscal problem, we get a Wall Street Journal headline that says, yeah, not so fast. I, companies are, are are running the other direction from them. It's a fake, it's a fake revenue source. And without a real rep, without putting forward a real revenue source to fill in that, to fill in what we can see are going to be the continuing fiscal gap, all he's doing is exposing the PFD to additional cuts, deeper and deeper and deeper cuts. So, you know, from from a very real angle, and I'm and I'm writing this for this week's Friday column in the Landmine. From a very real perspective, Dunleavy's putting on a good face, sort of, by saying we're going to have four thousand dollar PFDs, we're going to pay a full statutory PFD. But when you when you pull up that when you pull that up and look underneath about what's supporting that, there's no there's nothing there. It's fake revenues. So I I I really question at the end of the day whether whether Dunleavy is really supporting the PFD. If he was, he'd be, you know, looking at, at further spending cuts as opposed to $20 million, $20 million increases in Medicaid. And he would be looking at a real revenue source, real revenue sources. And he's got plenty out there. His Department of Revenue has told him where they are at real revenue sources that would help fill the gap without exposing the PFD to it. So I, there's a real question in my mind whether Dunleavy honestly, truly, uh, is supporting uh, is supporting the PFD when it comes right down to it. Well, because now he can kind of wash his hands, right? Oh, I've done it. I've put it out there. And now it's on the legislature. So in some ways, he's kind of passed the buck uh, by trying to do it, but really giving them no other out other than to cut the PFD. I mean, because they're, I mean, the, these fictional carbon tax credit revenues, which may or may not appear, and especially probably won't appear to the degree to which he says, uh, you know, he's kind of, you know, shielded himself from that kind of criticism in that way. You know, we need to go back to the to the fiscal year 20 or the fiscal year 21 Dunleavy and the fiscal year 21 done uh, 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 10 year plan, Department of Revenue or OMB 10 year 10 year plan. It talked a lot about a balanced approach, some spending cuts, some uh, alternative revenues and, and PFD restructuring to POMB 5050. 
adding those three together, a little bit from each, taking a little bit, bit from each category uh, in order to fit together a plan. That was the FY21 uh, Dunleavy uh, 10 year plan. Now the, the FY24 Dunleavy, Dunleavy plan is no longer that, forget that. We're just gonna rely on fake revenues. And we're gonna say that, you know, it balances out there by through all these fake, through all these fake revenues without having to do, uh, without having to do PFD cuts. We, we, need, we need him to go back to the governor he was as opposed to this, you know, mealy mouth governor that he's uh, becoming in the second term. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on board. Uh, be a Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Uh, we got more coming up. Hour two, Dead Ahead, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. It's just another example, Brad, uh, of, again, you know, they say one thing. It's like the pod people. They go down to uh, they go down to Juno and they forget what they were, th- you know, what they were pointing out. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know, if if you really, really meant it, and now you're a lame duck, you could do whatever you want. Essentially, you know, I mean, you may face a recall, but you're a lame duck. Now would be the time to get had on, you know, to get to get on top of this and really just, you know, hammer down on it. And he didn't do it. He just, you know. He just again passes the buck, shields himself, and says, uh, "We're gonna. I'm doing my best," and uh, not threatening to use the vetoes. Not you know, not really uh, putting out an aggressive budget. It's, I mean, it, it's so frustrating to watch. It is, Michael, and 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 he's got it. I mean, he had it in in the fiscal year twenty one ten year plan. He had the solution. It's the same solution. That two years later, the fiscal policy, the legislature's fiscal policy working group came up with a little bit of this, a little bit of PFD restructuring to go to POMV 5050, a little bit of spending cuts, nothing, nothing huge like he proposed in the initial year, but some spending cuts and a little bit of additional revenues. And 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 of those additional revenues, a portion of it can come could come from you know things like fixing the Hillcorp glitch, which is about a hundred million dollars. Uh, and some adjustments to uh, to oil taxes to you know bring oil taxes up to up to current standards, um, and you know and, and then a little bit of additional revenues on the side. It's like, but it's like I don't want to you know Dunleavy is I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about additional revenues right. unless they're painless revenues right. like these fictional carbon credit revenues. Then I'll talk about them all day long. Right, and you know and I'll put huge numbers on it, but I don't want to talk about real things. Right. And 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 he did that. They did that. The administration did that. The FY21 uh, uh, fiscal plan. And and we're just I mean, now he's wandering off in some direction that, I, you know, I don't know. And the, the end of austerity, the end of austerity era um, and the, and the beginning of the elimination of the PFD era is basically where we're where we're wandering off to now. Yeah, no. And that is frustrating, especially since we've talked about things like, you know, the Hill Corp thing and additional taxes, uh, you know, uh, and, a, and a refreshing of the taxation on the oil company, you know, taking and bringing some of that money to the table. I mean, between those two fixes alone, you know, you could have four or five hundred million dollars easily and then other revenue sources that have been identified. But again, it has to be a holistic approach, like the fiscal policy working group said. And nobody really is talking about any of that. That, that it's yeah. always a one it's always a one lever solution yeah and 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 there's reasons for that i suppose but i was i i gotta admit i was really disappointed 
um, that that we didn't see any of that in the pre-files. We we only saw these single these single these single point solutions. We didn't see any of the of the comprehensive package that the last legislature. I mean, this was the last legislature that did it, and and there are still those people. The, there are still people in that legislature that are that in that in the fiscal policy working group that were reelected and coming back into the session. Nobody really bringing that together and putting that you know, laying that down as a groundwork. If they'd done that, if the governor had gone back to the FY21 uh, uh, 10-year plan and said, look, we need a balanced approach. We need a little bit of here, a little bit of here, a little bit of here. We would have had both a legislative solution that, that some would have proposed and the governor advocating that solution. And we, and we could be talking about that. But now, you know, we're having to talk about this, these fictional revenues coming from uh, coming from carbon credits and not even Wall Street buys. Yeah. So- have you, uh, uh, Rob Myers in the chat room says, uh, Kaufman's cap and mine keep the PFD outside the cap. Both are also constitutional, not statutory. Have you had a chance to compare the two of them, Kaufman's and, and Myers, and taking a look at either one? I mean, is there going to be some discussion on them? Yeah, I mean, the discussion is going to be on Kaufman's because that's what the majority, Kaufman's in the majority, and that's what Stephen seems to be latched onto. I don't know if that was the deal for getting Kaufman in the majority or exactly how... Uh, uh, how that how that came to be, but the Kaufman's is the one. They keep they keep the PFD outside the cap, but that really doesn't solve the problem. I mean, if you don't have additional revenues uh, uh, inside the cap, then where are you going to go for the go for the revenues that that are showing up uh, showing up inside or for the the fiscal gap, the deficits that are still showing up uh, inside the ga- the cap. So even though you technically sort of keep them outside, they still get drugged back inside the cage. Right. Because there's no other revenue source to be talking about. Uh, Brad, uh, we're down to the last minute here, so a minute and a half. Um, what are we? What should we be looking for? What should we be watching? What are you going to be watching this coming uh, week here as the organization continues and everything else? What you know? What what, what should we be watching for? It it'll be. It, I'm going to watch the House organization because the Senate clearly is going to is going to go off on a tangent. They're clearly going to. Uh, increase K through 12 spending. They're clearly going to uh, do defined benefits, uh, at least for teachers. And then, as we've said before, others will come come in behind that. They're clearly going to do other things that I think have have price tags on them. And so, the House organization, the House, and it doesn't look like Dunleavy is going to act yeah, as much as a, as much of a barrier to, to you know if the Senate gets on a roll and has all these spending bills. It doesn't look like Dunleavy is going to act like much of a much of a break on that. So I think I think really need to focus on the House organization and how the House comes together, who they put in charge of the Finance Committee, uh, who they uh, what policies they announce that they're going to have as a as a body, what, whoever organizes the uh, the House. I think that's I think that's become more critical than I first gave it gave its importance because of Dunleavy's uh, you know, round what we've talked about in the past is round heel, heels is his willingness to sway back and just let the legislature do whatever it wants to do. And Brian says, finally, sidebar, any music events we should be watching for, Brad, quickly? <laughs> yes, there are a lot. Go to the Anchorage Concert Association, Laura Cortese and the Dance Cards is one heck of a group. They're appearing both in Anchorage and in Fairbanks. If you have a chance to go, go watch them. One of my favorite groups in music. All right, Brad Keithley, thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Thank you for being part of it today. As always, Michael, thanks for having me. Folks, Hour 2, Dead Ahead, The Michael Duke Show. Let's go.
Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska. On this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is the Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to Hour 2. If you're just joining us, thank you for being here and sorry about yesterday. Uh, again, kind of out of my control. Um, uh, if you're just joining us, I told a little bit of the story yesterday, but we had a severe outage for the interwebs out here in the uh, Wasilla area. And uh, it's the first time in five six years we've been broadcasting live from the uh, home studio that uh, that that happened it took me completely and totally offline i have a plan i have a plan for uh for for fixing this and hopefully uh making sure that in the uh in the future uh we won't uh we won't have that so we're we're i'm i'm working on it i'm working on it we're gonna see what we can do uh and we'll uh we'll do our best to uh um, to make sure that next time it ain't, it ain't so bad. It just, it, you know, we'll, we'll be on the air one way or the other. So we are working on it. I appreciate you coming in and, and sticking with us and sorry about yesterday. And we'll try to avoid that in the future. Man, we've become so dependent on technology. It's, it's just crazy, isn't it? Just crazy. Just finishing up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And, um, I mean, I, I definitely need our Chris Story break today. Uh, that was the other good news, by the way, was that we were able to uh, ask the guests from yesterday to come back on today and, uh, and, and be with us today because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, – I mean, I, I needed that. I wanted the, I wanted the weekly top three, and I definitely needed – um, I definitely needed a, uh, a, a, an uplift and a, and a PMA boost, which, uh, luckily Chris story is going to be providing for us here in just uh, a few minutes. We'll be picking things up with him in about 10, 15 minutes. And, uh, it'll be nice to, uh, to chat with him and get that. And we're going to need that because as you could see, based on our conversation with Brad, we're facing a pretty tough time. Uh, I mean, when the when the outlook and the and the you know the ledge finance division and everything comes out and says the end of austerity, um, which is code for oh we gonna spend now baby that's 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 what it is we're gonna spend now uh, and that's kind of the whole thing. I mean, look at every. Every news story that comes out, there's a news story today uh, from last night in uh, at KTUU, uh, Alaska's news source, 
where they're again talking about the priorities of the legislature. The priorities include education spending and what they call a PFD resolution, a resolution to the PFD problem. Um, And uh, they quote Senator Bill Willikowski and others that are saying that the governor may have proposed a large dividend, but they expect that those numbers are going to change. And uh, Bill Wolikowski said, we're going to have a robust discussion on what the dividend amount should be. Once again, we've had that every year, and hopefully this year we'll come to a solution on that issue. Alaskans want some stability. They want consistency, and I think they deserve that, and hopefully we can come up with some sort of solution that we can all agree on. Um, I would venture to say that the solution is going to be a lower-capped PFD. I mean, this is the Aurora plan, right? This is uh, Natasha's Aurora plan, which was what, 500 bucks? That's your dividend? Have a nice day? The government's going to take the other $4,000 and spend it on whatever the hell they want to spend it on? And that's going to be this. This is when they use these code words like Alaskans want some stability because they, oh, well, they just couldn't possibly handle the fact that maybe the PFD goes up and down based on you know, a five-year rolling average of everything and all that. They just couldn't possibly handle it. I mean, yeah, it's really irritating when the legislature sets it every year. But, you know, prior to that, we knew that the PFD was going to go up and down. So it's not the stability that we're so much that I think people are upset about. It's the fact that the government keeps taking a varying amount. But I, you know, yeah, what you're going to see, I I can almost, I, I mean, I would put money on this. Vegas-style money, baby. I would put Vegas-style money on this, that when they say things like Alaskans want some stability and they want consistency and hopefully we can come up with some sort of solution, what they mean is, well, we're going to set the price of the PFD. We're going to set the amount of the PFD and we're and we're going to take the rest. That's what's going to happen. And it will... And it will not be a 50% of the PFD. I remember when, remember when we first started talking about the 50-50 POMV uh, PFD, and then they countered with the 75-25. Remember that? Well, we know it's going to be even less than that. Because if it's a $1,000 PFD, and the statutory formula says that it should be over 4000 how much are we really getting out of that? I mean, what that becomes more like a... 85-15 or 90-10 split with the people. But you can already see it. That's When they talk about you know taking care of the PFD issue, when they re- talk about resolving the PFD issue, that's what they're talking about. It's not, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, the governor. And again, I agree with Brad's analysis that the governor here is just, uh, you know, He's he's playing politics. It's kabuki theater. Oh, yes, I will put a $4,000 PFD in the budget. Now, I know that there's no chance in hell of that actually getting through, and I know that I've built all these fictitious numbers for the revenue side just to make it all, you know, pencil out on paper, but, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. They, I mean, and that's the thing. And here's here's the other thing. Let's say that they set it at... 500 or a thousand dollars. I mean, let's just say that they set the PFD at 500 or a thousand dollars, and that may go merrily along for a year, maybe two, 
But look at the deficits and the fact that they are now the end of the austerity era in Alaska because we've spent so, we've just been starving ourselves. I mean, we've been so austere. It's, I mean, you know, so, but then, you know, two years down the road when the deficits continue because there is no appetite for spending reduction, that $1,000 and that $500 is, um, they're going to be like, mm, oh, well, you know, we told you and we promised you, but, you know, we really need it. And we know better than you how this money should be spent. So even though we told you it was going to be 500 or 1000 or 300 or whatever the number is, sorry, we're going to have to take that too. I mean, the, the, this is the eventuality. Of, of the politicians and the people who are in office right now, not necessarily the freshmen, the newbies, but the powers that be, the old guard who's in there running things from on high. I mean, Brad is 100% right. Basically, the finance committees control everything. And who do you have in the finance committees? Who's who's the, you know, the, the, the people that are running that? Mm, yeah, the Burt Stedmans of the world, the Kathy Geisels of the world, the... Click Bishops and the Neil Fosters and the Kelly Merricks of the world. I mean, who are they all beholden to? Remember that? Who are they all beholding to? So the PFD is essentially gone. In the, you know, in the next five years, maybe the next 10 years, if if we can't reverse this somewhere down the road. If, if we don't reverse what's happening in the next five years, it's done. That's it. There will be no PFD. All of that money that we're supposed to go to the people as their share of the revenue source, as their share as royalty, uh, and as an owner state, all that money will be consumed by government. Period. And 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 that then what? Well, okay, take that a step further. Then what happens? Okay, they set it at five hundred or a thousand. We coast merrily along for one, two, three, maybe even five years. Although I doubt we would get that far. Then they consume all that money. Now the PFD is gone, and then we fast forward another two, three, five years down the road, and then what do they say? Well, you know, Alaskans really should be paying their their way. They should really be paying their fair. You know, we're all getting a free ride. Because we're not like anybody. We don't have any tax. All these other states have taxes. We should have taxes. They love to do that. Oh, well, we're not, you know, we're doing all this other. And you know what? Alaskans should pay their fair share for the services that they're getting. I mean, it, am I wrong in my assertion and my analysis of that? Because that's all I can see right now. Based on the track record of what's going on, that's all I can see. Is that there is no will to push back on this. The few members that are in favor of this are out of favor. And the old guard continues to hold the positions of power inside the legislature 
and be able to run the show the way that they want. And it won't take long because even with even if when you take all of the PFD that barely covers the deficit, folks, even if you account for it the way that they want it to be accounted for as general fund and everything else, if they take the whole PFD, there is not much left over. You could be potentially looking at a call for new taxes in five years. And I can hear it now. I can see the headlines. I can see the subtitles and the subheadings in all these news articles that are being put out, you know, with the help of the powers that be, the legislative, you know, the majority and the old guard in there, because they've got the ear of all these reporters. You can see it. They almost use the news outlets as a mouthpiece for their own agendas. Uh, You can see it already. It will be Alaskans have got to pay their way. Alaskans have got to pay their fair share. I, I mean, I would bet real cash money that that's the language that you will see. Once the PFD is gone, once the PFD has been consumed completely by government spending, that shortly thereafter you'll see the push for some kind of revenue tax, income tax, sales tax, whatever, And the argument will be, Alaskans, you need to pay your fare. We've been getting a free ride for too long. We need to pay our fare. I mean, regardless of the fact that at that point they're spending, you know, by that time they'll be spending, what, $18,000 for every man, woman, and child in the state? Monies that we never see because they're taken from us before. I mean, they never get a chance to hit our pocketbook to be able to turn in the economy or do anything. They go straight into government. And that's where we'll be. Oh, that's uplifting, isn't it? That just feels so good that that's after, you know, the last 20 years of fighting, this is where we're at. Facing exactly the same problem with no solution because there are people out there who have become so dependent on the government, either on the, you know, the lower income welfare side or on the upper income corporate cronyism side, that's where it is. It's just painful. Painful to watch. All right. Chris Story's going to join us here in a minute, and we're going to talk with him about, well, I don't know, what we're going to talk with him about something. Positivity. We will uh, be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more and Chris Story right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, um, wow, I totally depressed myself in that little rant. I just totally depressed my, because I mean, that's. That's where it goes. We get taxes. 
Then the PFD goes away and we taxes anyway. And we taxes anyway. We get taxes anyway. That's the thing. That's 100%, Rob. They set the PFD to fix the problem, right? And it runs fat and happy that way for 24, 36, you know. I mean, hell, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe even five, six years. And then they're like, oh, we just can't. No. Oh. Ugh. And then, boom. They take all of it. And then even that's not enough. Because I, you know, it's not Parkinson's. Parkinson's principle is what? When, he, when, when every available task consumes all available time. There's got to be a. There's got to be an equivalent to that for, you know, government and money, where basically government will just consume all available dollars. I mean, it's it's there. The The whole thing is there, right? I mean, it's – I don't know what the principle is or the law is, but it's it's there. There's a principle baked into that that would just, you know – there you go. Linda says, a very wise man said it's harder to get off government handouts than heroin. And that's the, that's the truth. I mean, it, it, when we talk about government handouts, the first thing that comes to mind, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, of course, the, the, the poor income, the low income people and people on welfare and things like that. And while that is true, how much in this state is consumed by government handout because that's their business model? Right? Again, the GCIs and the construction companies and all the other people who bake their entire thing around government spending. I mean, I wish I had a, I wish I had an answer for all that, but I don't. I don't. I don't. But maybe Chris Story does. I don't know. The man from Homer. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Michael Dukes, the mangle of motivation. The Mengele of Mud. Yes, just me and the boys from Brazil. That's uh, what it's all about. Just destroying the motivation. I love that. I mean, that's, you, you know, know, it is it's cyclical and it's it's frustrating. I'm sure you've watched this very, very closely for a long time. It's got to be frustrating to feel like, okay, you're making some momentum. And then, like Sisyphus, the ball just rolls back down the hill. You got to start over. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, it, you know, again, I've been fighting this for how many years have I been trying to, you know, to stop this this behemoth from uh, from from doing its thing? How I mean, how, how long have I tried to do this? And then to watch. Well, just remember, remember. A train is very easy to stop before it gets started, but once it's going, you know, it's really hard to stop. So keep that image in your mind and just keep trying, talking to the brakeman. Well, I just want to shoving the coal into the firebox. Screw that! I just want to blow the bridge. You know what I mean? Just blow the bridge. <laughs> wait a minute, Michael. We're on the train. Oh well, we're on the train. Remember? Maybe we'll survive. I don't know. Maybe we should blow the bridge anyway and watch it happen. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I just, on air. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, but I mean, at this point, that's kind of where we're at, though, Chris. I mean, we're watching this go go on and eventually, you know, the wheels will eventually come off the bus. Now, maybe not now, maybe 20 years from now, but, you know, we will be just I mean, it will. This whole state will be nothing but a government town. And, and then hey, if Keanu Reeves could stop the bus, so can Michael Dukes. 
Just pretend Sandra Bullock's on there and you got to stop the bus. Okay. You can do it. All right. I'll try. I'll try. Don't go over, don't go under 55 miles an hour, whatever you do. Um, That's right. All right. Uh, Chris Story, what's your topic for today, quickly? What's your wealth blueprint? What's your wealth blueprint? All right. All right. I got it. Boom. Man, you, you better deliver today, man. I'm feeling kind of depressed all of a sudden. So you better, you better, there's a lot, no pressure, but uh, you better deliver today. Uh, all right, Chris Story is our guest. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's go, let's go, let's do it. Okay. Well, uh, we're down to the uh, we're down to story time. Story time with Chris Story. Story time. He's going to read us a bedtime story and make it all right. Take care of all the monsters under the bed and make us feel better. Because oh my God, I just depressed myself horribly in that last segment. How I mean, but it's. Unfortunately, there's just it's a kernel of truth. I could see it coming. It's like I'm I prognost what was it, Chris? What about those old oracles and you know the prognosticators who basically went crazy because they could see the future but they couldn't do anything to fix it, you know, kind of thing. And it just it was just drove them insane. Kind of what I feel like here, uh, after uh, the it, last 20 years. All I all I request, and I think all your affiliate stations would request the same in your audience, is that if you do self-emulate, please do it on air. Yes, please. that's true. Well, make that's, it make it a spectacle. That's just that's just good entertainment right there. That's what it's all so. Mm-hmm. When I, radio. when I get the gasoline in the match, will you guys will be you'll have a front row seat when that happens. Um, all right, Chris. Well, you're terrible. You got a big. You got a heavy lift today, my friend. You got a big heavy lift. Um, let's uh, let's talk about it today. You want to talk to us about uh, a blueprint, our wealth. Do you know what is our wealth blueprint? What are we doing for a wealth mm-hmm. blueprint? And uh, I don't know. I'm not a draftsman. I can't even. I have a hard time drawing stick figures. So I don't know if I can draw out a blueprint. But Chris can help us. Uh, tell us. Uh, hit it. Hit it, my friend. The floor is yours. Well, good. Good segue because the floor is where you start. Dance and monkey. What's the floor on? Dance monkey. Dance. <laughs> the, the dance floor is yours. Go. The, the, <laughs> the floor uh by the way wayne dyer said the whole point of dancing isn't to get to a certain point on the dance floor it's to have a good time so that's what i think that's what life is about and i think that's what i want to talk about today is your floor is built upon a foundation whose whose foundation when it comes to your wealth or your money blueprint whose foundation have you built your floor in your ultimate financial house upon it may not even be yours it may be a remnant from childhood. It may be uh, actually handed down from your grandparents or great-grandparents. Depression-era mindset or thinking may be still sort of the vestigial tale of your financial tale or your tale of woes, if they are. Or you may be repeating a pattern of, of wealth and abundance. Whatever it is, I suggest, though, for true contentment, for true happiness, for true purpose-driven life, 
you identify this blueprint that you're following and make sure it's conscious, make sure it's on your terms, be it that you became a doctor, you became a lawyer, you became an accountant, you became whatever you are as a result of family pressure or an expectation based upon uh, a family uh, or, you know, it's a residual of maybe this is what we've always done. This is, you're going to take over the family business, whatever it is, make sure that what you're doing relative to your wealth blueprint is conscious and it's yours and it's set on your terms because otherwise you will wake up at some point and maybe you'll have a full bank account and uh, a retirement or maybe not. But either way, if you're not content and you haven't enjoyed the journey, there's going to be something missing. So it's a matter of just sort of a wake-up call and saying, am I following a blueprint that was handed to me or am I following a blueprint that was drawn for me? If, if you buy a piece of property, for example, and it's already got a foundation on it, no home, but it's got a foundation, it's really tempting just to rebuild that house because it's cheaper than right. eradicating the foundation that's there and starting over. It's just cheaper. It's easier. It's simpler just to build upon what was there. However, it may not be what you want. It may not have been at all laid out the way you want it. It may be designed for uh, a full basement. I don't want a basement. I want two stories. I want to see the view. Whatever it is, make sure you're consciously following your own money, wealth, health blueprint and this applies to anything and everything relationships are you following the old pattern and then you're on your eighth marriage or are is this your conscious way of moving through life and your relationship blueprint your health blueprint money wealth everything how about um this i just came to me and and you can comment on it but how about the expectation? Oh, I'm sure you will. How about the expectational blueprint? You know, because your parents have certain expectations mm -hmm. for you, your friends, your coworkers, your family. Oh, Bob, uh, Bob grew up, and you know, mom and dad always wanted him to be a fill in the blank lawyer, doctor, engineer, ditch digger, whatever they expected, high or low expectations, and that is like the blueprint that they hand you. But that's not that's not one you you have you can you can rip it up. You can draw your own blue. You know, your coworkers never expect you to move beyond where you're at. You could have other expectations uh, other than the ones that people, the blueprints that people draw for you with theirs, right? Absolutely. And, I, and there's that expectation, and then uh, that's which is both negative and positive. I, I'll expect you're going to do completely different than us. We had nothing. You're going to have something, and that's put upon you, which is, hey, that's really great and well-intentioned by mom and dad. That's wonderful. And they set you up now to, to really have a successful career or life and education, whatever it is. Um, there's also then, of course, the expectation that you're gonna you're gonna do like we do, and then we rebel from success, maybe because we want to rebel and individuate and be our own person and and be individual, and then just unconsciously though are living the opposite side of that coin, which means maybe you ain't got no coin because you're rebelling or just repeating a pattern or repeating a cycle. I, I think it's it's a little bit like, you know, leverage. And I deal with this pretty regularly where I meet people whose parents, aunt and uncle, grandparents, or somebody they know closely as a child or what have you, over leveraged themselves, went bankrupt, went into foreclosure, lost their income property, lost something to a point where now this person's blueprint is somewhat predicated upon other people's experience in their periphery and they're never going to do that like oh i i, I want to pay off my house as quick as possible okay that's an option however what about the guy who i knew in 2005 i sold his home he ran a one 
boat, one person charter operation, no deckhand, just him and his boat. And he retired um, with almost $2 million. How do you do it? He not in fishing. He did flying, supported himself and his family, did just flying, sold his boat for who knows, thirty, forty thousand dollars, whatever. The way he retired with nearly two million dollars is having leveraged five condominiums in Anchorage at the, the lowest point of the market, held them for twenty-five years, sold them at the peak of the market, and <laughs> walked away with with an absolute fortune at a time when other people were running from those condos, running from those investments because the market had collapsed. So his blueprint, though, was I see an opportunity, I seize an opportunity, and he held on, and he won. And so it just depends upon what is it that you consciously want to do, and are you sure you don't want to use leverage smartly, even though your family or friends or people have told you all the horror stories or what they've gone through? Are you sure you don't want to consciously build your own blueprint around some future fortune or future self that could be absolutely dynamic if you'd simply design your own blueprint. And it comes back to something that we've talked about on a couple of Tuesdays uh, over the past number of years, which is self-analysis. Are you sure? Are you 100% sure you know what you're doing? If you're consciously headed in a direction, fantastic. There's expect detours and, and being off course a little bit along the way, but you have a blueprint you've designed to get you back to where you wanted to go and a destination you've aimed at. Okay. So you know where I'm going with this. Uh, obviously, you've already touched on it, the self-analysis. That's really where it seems like every Tuesday, that's where we end up at is the analysis of yourself, your life, your goals. But uh, all right, I got a blank blueprint sheet in front of me. How do I start? How do I start drawing that out? How do I start you know, sketching out the blueprint for you know, future wealth and ideas and success, et cetera, et cetera? Break it down for me, Barney style. Give it to me like, uh, you know, again, talk to me like I'm five and tell me how to make this happen. Wait a minute, Barney Rubble or Barney the Purple Dinosaur? I say Barney the Purple Dinosaur. Ooh, okay. yeah, I love you. Uh, just tell me how to do this, man. <laughs> I'm so grateful you did not go into the Teletubby realm because that's a whole other topic. Um, I think it started at the beginning. That's where all good stories start is at the beginning. And the blank paper that you just said, I think that's a good idea, but put on it an actuality of what is real today. Draw out your actual blueprint with words. What do you really think about money? What is your current income? What is your current uh, net worth? What is your current debt? What is your current uh, mindset? What do you think about money? When somebody says, um, here's an investment opportunity, be honest with yourself, kind of run through that. What's your first reaction? Oh, I, I would never. Oh, I don't dare. What do you think I made of money? All these kinds of phrases and things that come back to you from childhood or reactions you've got to your to your children or people in your sphere. How do you respond when, when somebody asks you for money, an investment, a donation, uh, an increase in tax or whatever it is, or, hey, we're going to have to hold off on increases in wages for a minute and whatever. Think about all those reactions. Think about your blueprint. Write it down and look at it and be really honest with yourself. Is this who I want to be? Because you're going to be roughly sketching out your existence, your current situation, your circumstance. It's completely in your control to alter that circumstance. But if you don't know what or where you're altering it from, you don't know that foundation, or maybe you haven't even really consciously thought about, wait a minute, why do I 
grimace at the thought of a $500 cashmere sweater. What is going on there? Why, why, can't, why don't I deserve that? Why, why do I feel like I need to buy something that is uh, 88% off the rack, whatever? Why, why don't I have you know, an investment property? Why don't I? Why aren't I the, the slumlord that I've always wanted to be? What, what's going on here? And just really look at those opportunities that are maybe you've taken advantage of or you've passed over. But I think it's really, Michael, just about a cold glass of water in the face and saying, okay, this is the reality. Am I happy with it? And I hope you are. And I really do. Because this isn't a matter of saying, oh, you're going to find yourself measured short. No, nope. you might just be, wow, I am so much further ahead than I thought. But I'm really glad that I'm not conscious of this and awake and aware because I really want to design the next year, two, five, or 10, or 15 on my terms. And I want to know where I'm headed. And, and I... I think back to, a, um, you know, I had an incredible trainer in my, my mom and dad. They, they had full-time job. My dad had a full-time career and two, at any given time, two side businesses, two side hustles before the term was even known. He was, he had a con construction business and they had an investment business and they invested in uh, businesses and real estate and apartments and they built homes and apartments for people. All the while, he had a full-time job and career. And so that was an incredible example. And he, he often said to, to me and my brother, pay yourselves first. Didn't have a clue what it meant. Didn't understand. Like, I don't know what he's talking about, but he keeps saying that, pay yourself first. It wasn't until I was in business for myself and I was using pre-tax dollars to invest for myself and my business that I understood what he meant. Pay you before you pay Uncle Sam. Pay you before you pay the light bill, et cetera, because that's where you can grow your net worth. That's where you can grow wealth. And so coming to terms with that early on, I, I fully admit, wow, what an advantage to have that mindset. I really appreciate it. And then I met a guy who handed me a book on real estate investment when I was 19. I had no high school diploma, no degree, no, no six degrees of separation for me and success. I couldn't see it. I didn't know where I was headed. And he handed me a book and a belief in myself and said, if you read this book, it's equivalent to a four-year degree in real estate. I read it. I consumed it. I still read it to this day, 28 years or 30 years later, um, and absolutely love it and share it with as many people as I can. So that's, I'm constantly revisiting. I'm not practicing. I'm practicing what I preach. I am constantly revisiting my blueprint, my plan, and where I'm headed. And this is just in January, mid-January. It's just a great time to stop and analyze this for yourself and determine and decide where do I want to go and am I, am I happy with, and you might very well be happy with the foundation, the whole financial house you've built. And that's wonderful. But be conscious and be aware and be very forward looking and make sure it's where you want to go. And just for curiosity's sake, for those out there who may not know, what is the name of the book that you received your four year degree in real estate on? What is the name of the book? Buy and hold the buy and hold real estate strategy by Dr. David Schumacher came out in 1991. It's still available um, on used copies. I don't think it's actually in print, but used copies are available yeah. uh, through Jeff Bezos's little little website. Yeah, no, Jeff Bezos's little tinkering thing. Uh, yeah, because I got a copy of it here a couple of years ago. Uh, definitely educational for sure. Uh, what is your wealth blueprint or what is just your blueprint for success in life? Uh, it's good questions. Mm -hmm. And again, this all comes back to self-analysis. What, you know, what do we do? How do we, how do we roll? How do we make it work? 
Uh, Chris Story, uh, the man from Homer, thank you for coming on board. Anything you want to leave us with quickly? One minute. Yeah, I've got I've got a free gift. It's called the Millionaire Maker. It's a practical guide, six steps to your first four homes. If you text me at 299-7653, your email address, I will send it to you in a PDF. It's about 35, 40-page manual on exactly how to get four homes in your life. And they're practical, easy steps, and uh, it, real. And it's a, it's a literal blueprint of, of how we did it. You have my address, and I notice I don't have one of those in my inbox. What the heck? Send me a text, Michael. Send you, send you a text. Uh, all right. Well, I look forward. I actually haven't read that, so I look forward to sending you a text and doing that. Uh, Chris Story, uh, the guy from Homer who comes in and helps us every week. Thank you, my friend, for uh, being part of it, as always. Good to hear from you. Uh, and my pleasure. Thank what, you. Give us that number one more time. Somebody's asking for the number one more time. All right. I posted it up in the chat room. We will uh, see you next week. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Folks, we're out of time for today. uh, For this segment, rather. Not for today. And we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. It's the Michael Dukes Show. Why not take a quick break? Be right back. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. In the break, uh, Chris Story is actually still with us this morning. Hello. Hello, my friend. Thanks for... Michael. Yeah, thanks for holding on. Um, It's always good. I guess, you know, last bite at the apple, my friend. People are asking for the number in the chat room, which I've posted in the chat room now so they can get it themselves. But, uh, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, there's only uh, – I, I was thinking about this the other day. You and I have many conversations off the air and talk back and forth and verbally abuse each other all the time. But the one thing that I keep thinking about <laughs> is, uh, you know, you, you're you're right because you keep talking about, you know, the only true wealth in the long run and especially is in the one thing that they're not making any more of, and that's land and property. and. Uh, I love that. I mean, I think that it makes perfect sense. It makes it a lot easier to uh, uh, to think about and consider. And I, I mean, I, I, I love that. Uh, I love that idea. Um, I had a conversation yesterday, Michael, and um, <clears throat> with somebody out of Chicago. And I, it doesn't matter who. I'm not going to name her name because it, it was a it was a business conversation. Um, I'll talk to you about it at a future point. But she said to me something profound. She said that in 1995, she had a conversation with Tony Robbins. She spent four hours with him because he was uh, engaging her to consult on something that he wanted to do with his business. And so she was brought in to consult him on it because that's her expertise. And they spent four hours together. And she said, you know, he said something amazing. He said to her, you know, I don't spend a lot of time talking about real estate investment and property. However, we know that is the number one place to grow, develop, and keep wealth. And as soon as people make a fortune, they sink it into real estate. If they didn't make it in real estate, they put it there as quick as they can. And he said, I don't, Tony Robbins now saying this, I don't talk about that as much as you think I would because I'm trying to help people unlock themselves first because they have to get to a place where they can see themselves with wealth. They can see themselves in that in that place. But he acknowledged full 
full on, this is where people make and keep wealth. And I just thought that was pretty fascinating that, yeah, this, this is, and it's a little known secret. It's a, it's a secret hiding in plain sight. We know it. We could look out the window and see right where you are. I don't care where you are. Um, it's millions of dollars worth of real estate, literally just outside your window. You can see it. You could, if you could see four homes, you can see well over a million dollars worth of real estate in your literal backyard. And all you have to do is grab a piece of it. Yeah, no. And it, and uh, you know, it's, I'll be honest with you, Chris, that whole idea. And, and I know you and I have talked about this, uh, you know, personally and things like that, but uh, I still find it. I still find that concept intimidating. I still find the concept of, of, uh, you know, being a land baron or whatever you want to go. You know, I still find that very intimidating uh, from somebody who struggled in their early years, uh, you know, with money and everything else and trying to make sure that we did the right thing and all that. And and I still find it, uh, I still find it a struggle sometimes to try and rationalize that in my mind that, oh, yeah, you can be a, you can be a, a slumlord, a land baron, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, you um, it's something that I'm trying to overcome this year because, I mean, I know that that's where, you know, that's where the long-term growth and the long-term stability is going to be from. And uh, I don't know if you have any words of advice on that, but it's a, it, you know, still yeah. a tough deal. I do. <clears throat> okay, perfect. I'm so glad you shared that because you're not alone. You're not the only person that feels that way. Um, some people feel that block or that resistance towards uh, – writing their book, starting a business, getting into another relationship, whatever it is. And it's based a little bit on, I think, reflection upon your blueprint. So how about this? What if you exchange your blueprint, whatever's in your mind, Michael, that's holding you back, that's constipating your move forward. How about this? It's a game. I'm going to make this a game. I am going to be a player in this game, a role player in this game. I'm going to play the role of investor. What would an investor do? Think, where, go, eat, how, how, does, how would an investor handle this? And then you're going to look at 100 properties in the next, call it, three months. You will analyze and look at 100 properties, of which 10 will probably warrant a little closer look, of which three might pique your interest enough as an investor to actually go physically look and make an offer on one of them. And if you do that 100, 10, 3, 1, over the next, call it six months or a year, whatever whatever you think is practicable and you can live up to, this is a game. You're, you're playing a role and the role is investor and you're gonna look at 100 properties. Because trust me, I'm gonna buy two this year. That's my goal. I might actually buy just one or none, but it doesn't matter because I'm constantly on the hunt and I'm waiting for the perfect buck to walk into that crosshair before I fire. And so I might look at 100 bucks or does, whichever gets you going, and um, I'm gonna, you know, look at 100 or maybe 150 uh, or maybe just, you know, 25, whatever, but pick a number and say, I'm going to look at this many. And out of, out of all those, you're going to analyze and you're going to educate and you're going to make relationships and you're going to become the investor that you're playing the role of. I like it. Uh, I'm assuming some of this is covered in the book that you're offering out there as well, the bl the blueprint book. So I'll uh, I'll yes. make sure I send my text when the show is over and we'll get it done. Well, Chris, thank okay. you. Catch you later. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate you coming in. Uh, as always, good stuff. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Uh, we got to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for common sense, liberty-based.
Well, I um, I feel a little better. I don't know about you, but I feel a little better now that I've had a chance to uh, discuss things with uh, our friend Chris Story. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I guess here's my thought. Here's, here is my thought. And if you want to text Chris to get his booklet, again, his number, 907-299-7653. You just text your email address to that number, and he will go ahead and send you an email with his little, uh, his, his, his 40-page booklet on, uh, you know, that kind of real estate strategy. But I guess here's uh, here's what I got out of just this most recent discussion with Chris um, uh, is that, and again, likening it back to what my first the first segment of this hour was, which was again I don't want to revisit because it's kind of depressing when you think about it. But the idea of you are going to have to count on and provide for yourself somebody in the chat room said something that i thought was um was 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 good herder in the chat room says you just kind of throw up your hands we live in an age where funding obligations by increasing debt is considered being responsible i don't know seems like we can't kill the beast it will have to run its course just do the best you can not to get trapped in it and that's another fancy way of saying you know basically that we all acknowledge the simple laws of arithmetics and mathematics. We understand that the things that are happening in this state, the things that are happening in this country, they're not sustainable, right? I mean, they can't, they can't continue. Uh, we can't continue in the same vein. Eventually, the wheels will come off the bus. We can do everything we can to try and stop it. Uh, but I mean, at some point, we you know we're going to realize that you know that it is just it's going to continue. So we at that point we have to make a decision. And I'm not advocating to just throw your hands up in the air and walk away and say, "Well, that's it. I'm done with it." You know, whatever. I'm saying that with philosophies and ideas like what Chris is talking about, securing your own future, securing your own you know wealth or prosperity. That's going to have to become the main focus of what you're doing. Um, I decided a long time ago, uh, back when I first decided probably 10 years ago, that I was really going to try and start steering away from national politics because, I mean, I basically had no, I had no influence on it. I had, we had very little chance of changing things that were happening at the national level. I mean, other than obviously trying to elect good people there, but that other than that, there was really there was really no way to, you know, to fix it from where we were sitting that all we could control is, you know, our local stuff. And then that's when I started to focus on kind of more the local aspect of it. You know, what's happening in my community, my city, my neighborhood, my state. Those are the things that I felt like I could do. But at the same time, I made a decision that regardless of what was happening and regardless of whether or not we were going to be able to make changes to what was going on, that I needed to find a way to, um, I needed to find a way to basically stabilize and secure, uh, 
my own future, regardless of what's happening in the state or the country or, you know, the worldwide economy or whatever. And that's when I really started to explore, you know, some of these alternate ideas, uh, you know, things that Chris has talked about, other side hustles, diversifying my income, things like that. And um, uh, it's, you know, it's been a pretty good journey. It's been hit or miss. Sure. You know, good, good things got bad things. But I think that is what I'm coming away with today. And maybe that's not what Chris intended. Maybe that's not the position that he intended. But uh, I'm just going to do the best that I can. Um, I will still fight the fight. I will still, I'm not going to give up and retire to Louisiana or where, you know, I'm not, not going to do anything. But I'm going to also at the same time put just as much effort into making sure that I secure my own and my family's future as I would in trying to stop the megalithic beast of bigger, badder government with no accountability and no, you know, and no adherence to the laws of mathematics or, or, or arithmetic that, I mean, that, and it's kind of got to be that way. And I know that's, you know, that's the, uh, I know that in the, uh, um, you know, the talk radio world, that's probably, we should just fight the fight and that's all we should focus on and every, and that was kind of my, my, again, my eye-opening aha moment last year was that I wanted to talk about more than just politics because there is more to life than that. And so even though we are fighting the fight, we're trying to get these things done, we're going to continue to analyze and expose the problems and try to offer solutions. At the same time, we need to be planning in our own lives for any eventuality, right? Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. What's the worst? Well, you know, a complete and total economic global collapse. That's, I mean, that's the worst, right? I mean, that's the, that's the, in this scenario, that's the worst. So how do we, you know, how do we protect ourselves? How do we, you know, we'll go back to look at, uh, you know, look, go back to look at other examples of this, the Great Depression, et cetera, and see where monies can be made, where fortunes can be made, where people can be protected and, uh, you know, do your best. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm taking away from Chris's, um, lessons today is, uh, you know, is that I have to be able to take care of myself and my family. And I better be planning for that because I mean, you know, if you, if you're not making a plan, then you're just kind of coasting along, bumping along the road. If you're just driving around aimlessly, that's, you know, you need to have a plan and a destination and a map laid out as to what your route is going to be. And you better take the time to analyze where you're at and decide. Now, uh, I mean, I'm 53 years old and, uh, you know, I've got to I've got less time than somebody who's, uh, you know, in their 30s who may be listening to this and saying, yeah, that makes sense. Well, do it now. Don't don't wait till you're 53. Don't wait till you're 48. Just do it now wherever you're at. And if you're older than me. Well, you still got some time. Just go get it done, you know, is uh, and and leave something for your families. I mean, yeah, you can't take it. Brian, uh, Chris in the chat room just said you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you when you pass. So spend, spend, spend. No, but I can pass it on to my children and I can pass on the example to my children uh, and give them some stability in the future. If I do, maybe I can't pass it. I can't take it with me, but I can leave a legacy uh, there's a scripture or something that says something about, you know, that woe be unto him who can't provide for his children's children, you know, down to the third generation kind of thing. So I want to leave something so that my family can prosper no matter what's going on in the government. 
So we got to kind of think about that too. And uh, I think what Chris brings up is a great, great example of that. Um, I, just my thoughts, my thoughts, uh, my thoughts for the day, you know, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, all right. Uh, I guess that's it for today. We gotta, we gotta go. We gotta, we gotta get out of here. We got things to do and people to see and plans to make blueprints to draw, right? Tomorrow, I don't know who we're going to have on the program. We'll have somebody. Or it'll just be me and you and some phone calls. How about that? That should be fun, too. Well, we'll figure it out. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. That's right. Worlds to conquer. Interesting, exciting people to meet and kill. I mean, what, you know, I got things to do today. <laughs> all right well that took an interesting turn i because i really was working myself up into a bit of a froth there in the first segment because it is fr- it is frustrating to watch what's going on and to understand and see you that you you know you know what's going to happen based on past performance it's indicative of future results but at the same time, at some point, you got to pull the ripcord on that and divorce yourself from that and look at your own family and look at where you're at and say, I'm going to do my best to enjoy my life. I'll still fight the fight, but I'm going to do my best to protect myself and my and my family and those that I love and provide for that. It, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. We may have a shower hour of power tomorrow. Depends. I don't know. I'm still waiting to hear back from Mike. We'll see what happens, but uh, if nothing else, it'll be you and me, baby. You guys have a great day. Thanks for coming on board. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.